welcome, 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 welcome to, to, to. If the numbers are to be believed, Jason, we have four people in the audience. That's beating the, uh... And we got someone in the chat. Hey, John. John. Hey, John. Hey, John. Yeah, welcome, everybody, to the very first of the first Fridays, brought to you by The Smattering. I'm Jason Hall, joined, as usual, by Giuseppe Santorini. Can I can I just call you that now? No, I I, I like uh I like my actual name. You can uh, and Jen's here. Watch out. Uh oh, coming in hot. <laughs> Jen, you can too. heckle as much as you want. That's the whole point of this. Heck, exactly. Heckle away. There it is. I don't know, man. Giuseppe seems to be sticking. Jeff Santoro, the voice of the people. I should give you your full introduction. Thank you. How are you, buddy? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. This is something we have talked about doing for a really long time. And it wasn't until recently that we realized Riverside had the feature to do it. So, oh, no, I've, no, I've known. Oh, well, that would have been a good thing to, just to share. Yeah, I just didn't tell you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We're, this is, if this works and people enjoy it and we get, you know, enough people to come on, we'll try to do this on the first Friday of every month when we're available. Uh, and we'll, it'll be loose and we'll take questions and have some fun. Yeah, we've actually got some topics planned before before we get to them though. Um, John's comments and we met John um in Omaha. Yep. And you've got one of these shirts as well. He's saying, uh <clears throat> nice, nice shirt. I want to show the back of it because this was these were our, our for our running team for the five K, the Brooks um five K. And I'm I'm pretty proud of these. We're gonna see Jason's good side here. Let's move to the side a little bit so we can see the bottom of it. It says run your race. Run your race. Can you stay like that the rest of the show? It'll make it'll make it easier for everyone to watch. Yeah, I uh, definitely have a face for podcasting. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. So, all right, well, let's do this while people are while people are hopping in here. I'm going to go ahead and share. Let's let's get this going. We're a few minutes in here, and we do want to be have a pretty reasonably tight try to get in the things that we have planned. First topic: Jeff Santoro, Jeff's quiz. All right. I thought this would be fun. And now this has gotten more interesting over the course of the week. So when we started oh, planning planning for this earlier, um, I had this feeling that the market has felt weird for a while. And it got me thinking, I wonder if you, without looking, could tell me how the market's done over various semi-recent periods of time. Now, this got a lot more interesting after the last two days. So it is 4.03. The market is closed. Jason. How much has the S&P returned over the last one day? No, I'm just kidding. Five days. What is the five-day return of the S&P 500? So that's this week. That's, yes, this, this trading week, Monday through Friday. Do not look. Hand, no, hands not. where we can I'm see not. Here's them. Here's my hands. Here's my hands. Yeah, nothing in them. I'm just, I'm just standing like this. I believe you. You can come back to the mic. All right. It's a problem. Like, I, I've already forgotten what the market did on Monday. I know, but this is going to get, my point will be driven home as we go further out, but we're starting with this week. What do you think? I'm going to say the S&P 500 is up 3% for the week. Ooh, not bad. Uh, 5.8%. Okay. So the beginning of the week was better than I was expecting. Okay. Okay. Last month. Down 2%. Up three. Huh. Okay. All right. Six months. Six months would put us in like May. Yeah. Probably down 12%. Up six point five. That's so. It so really, we're talking about like August was the peak. Like it just from May to August, it shot up, and then it's come back down. Okay. Yeah, like late July or like late July more like was the peak. But yeah, you're okay. on the right track. All right, year to date, uh, we're probably back to double digit returns. I'd say right around ten percent. Thirteen point five. Okay. Wow. Wow. And I'll, we'll just do one more. Last year, three hundred and sixty five days. Okay. Um, up twenty percent. Seventeen. So not bad. Yeah. So the reason I was thinking of it was before we had these last two days, which where like the market was up and several stocks were up double digits. And we'll talk more about that later. I was kind of feeling like it's hard to get a gauge for how it's been because like it, it was like one month was really bad and then the next month was a little bit better, but we were still feeling the last month. So it's interesting. You weren't super close on on some of those, but yeah, it is up on all of those timeframes, which is interesting. Yeah, well, Ken's Ken's asking us the most important question here. Yeah, that's right. What's it going to be doing in the next six to twelve months from now? Those are definitely the hard questions we need to ask. And if if my even directionally, I wasn't, I was kind of good on the longer term stuff, but like the near term stuff, I was pretty way off. Yeah. Right. Um, 
because it doesn't feel like it's been up. I th- again, with the exception of the last two days, it's felt crappy. And I think we all know how the, you know, which, what month was it? October? I mean, um, September is the month that's always really bad historically. Uh, I don't think August was great. So pretty, I'll- pretty way off. Yes, Eric. Thank you. I was just sending I was just sending a tweet out to let people know that we're live and I want to remind everybody too we do want to take questions so we can take questions through the chat here those of you that have found the chat also tweet them to us we're going to be monitoring our twitters I'm going to be monitoring the show twitter on my phone I have my twitter up on the screen here Jeff can monitor his as well don't email us if you email us we'll put that in the next mailbag so That's right. All right so that was our little that was a little quiz to start things off to see how you're how accurate you are with market sentiment Let's let's do this. Let's do let's do our next topic here. We're not even quite ten minutes in, um, so we can take our time with this one. But this is one that you came up with, and I really like this a lot because there's the the difference between a great business and a great stock, you know. And there's lots of great stocks out there that maybe it's not it's not the right great businesses out there. Maybe it's not the right time to buy to buy this stock. So I'm going to turn the question around on you. Even though it's your question, but you made me, you put me through the pop quiz there. So I'm going to ask you to kick this one off and then, and then I'll weigh in. What's a stock that you'd love to buy, but it's just too expensive? All right. I'm going to give the obvious one that everyone's probably thinking, and then I'll give at least one or two other ones. So the obvious one is NVIDIA because we, I know we both own it. I'm sure a lot of people watching and listening own it. And the reason I did think it was worth talking about is because it has historically, and you and I, I think, are on the same page with this. We feel like it will, in the future, give us multiple opportunities to buy it significantly better prices than you could get right now. Um, and so this is just, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because you hear people say things like, what would you, you know, would you buy this stock right now as a way to like check your portfolio for, for things maybe you should sell? And I don't know that that's a great, always a great exercise because I love NVIDIA. I want to own it forever. I want to add to it in the future. I wouldn't do it right now, just as one example. Um, I'll give one more and then you can chime in. So another one that I has done really well for me, it is up 0.9% for me right now. And that's Celsius Holdings. Um, mm-hmm. I have not bought this stock in, let's see, when's the last time? The last time I bought any shares was December of 22. So I haven't bought it at all in 2023. Um, it trades for more than 13 time sales, I think, and it's up 100%. I, I like the company. I, I think it, by the way, it's an energy drink company in case anyone's not familiar with it. If you walk into any convenience store or grocery store in your area, you will likely see a lot of it. Um, I, they signed a distribution deal with Pepsi about a year ago, I think. And you know, so now they're, they had this very fragmented distribution network before then, and now they're consolidated into Pepsi's uh, distribution network. So you can just imagine, you know, everywhere there are Pepsi coolers, you're not going to see more of this product. So that's one, another one that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. I really like it. I want to buy it again, but still a little bit too pricey for me. Yeah. So I'm going to, I've got a couple in. So after I I share mine and I'm not going to get too deep in them because we're actually going to talk about them more in our, in the news. um, I want you to think about something else, maybe a company that you would love to buy but for some other non-valuation reason, mm. you don't want to buy right now, or maybe you have some you don't want to add. So think about that. I want to, I want to talk about that too. Um, and the, the first one I'm going to give is Kinsale Capital. So expensive. Yeah, that's on my, that was the other one I was going to mention, actually. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you did it. Yeah, even, even after the big haircut that the stock just, just got. Again, we're going to talk more about it, so I'm not going to give all the details here. But it, to me, this is like a, such a great reminder that, even after a sales 10, 20, 30%, sometimes it can still be incredibly expensive. And that's certainly the case with Kinsale. You look at it, and this is an insurance company, so price to book value is a pretty useful metric along with price to earnings, um, but particularly price to book value. And I don't know, what does it trade for? Jeff, I haven't looked at it today, but it's probably still 10 times, six times. Like it's- I don't know, I had to look it up. Very, very high multiple of, of book value. and. Generally, insurance companies, like the really good ones, like two times book is a high multiple. Yeah, our good, our good friend, and I'm sure a lot of people on here know Lou Whiteman. He's got a great newsletter that he puts out very infrequently, which is the whole point of it. It's called Fits and Starts. So but, it's just right there in the name. Yeah. But the last one he did, I believe his last one, he wrote about 
Kinsale, one of the last ones. And this week. that was kind of his point. Was it was it was over eleven times book value, uh price to book value, um before it reported earnings, and now it's down to a meager eight point five times book value. So so we got some questions. Is, own it. It's been a huge winner for me. It's up over four hundred percent, Jeff. For me, yeah. it's been a massive winner. Yeah, it's been what is it for me? It's up it's only up seventeen percent for me, but I've obviously owned it a lot less time than you have. Um yeah. All right, we have some questions here. Jason, it seems the short report was wrong on Brookfield. Uh, on Oak Tree Specialty Lending supporting a 12% yield, Howard Marks company, which is part of Brookfield. Yeah, so we'll start, John, we'll start with um, we'll start with Brookfield Infrastructure. It's really interesting because I've actually been asking a lot of people about it. We, we recorded a, a hot take, or excuse me, a rough cut about it, and I don't think we've published it yet. So we'll probably publish it early next week. Um, where I express my overarching concerns about Brookfield in general, because so many of the Brookfield subsidiaries have substantial amounts of debt. Um, interest rates have gone up. I'm concerned about cost of capital potentially affecting the business. And they're also relatively opaque and very complex entities because of all the um, close party dealings with other Brookfield entities and some of the funds and Brookfield asset management, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I certainly have some concerns there, um, but I, I really, I've tried to read through the short report and I read a fair amount of it. And I just think, I think that the person who's short has just got it wrong. I really do. I think they've got it wrong. Part of the reason I think they got it wrong is because Brookfield, all of the subsidiaries like Brookfield Infrastructure, Brookfield Renewable, um, Brookfield Business Partners, they have a history of buying and selling, and they do tend to sell a lot of assets at higher multiples and higher realized prices than they bought them for. So that's a little bit of like kind of evidence that they're not necessarily cooking the books on asset values. Um, and also I, I, you know, I, I, tr I, I trust Bruce Flatt. He's been there, I don't know, 24 years at this point. He's the CEO of Brookfield Corporation, Brookfield Asset Management. Brookfield Infrastructure is a subsidiary of those companies. These businesses are run by Bruce Flat Acolytes, I think is really kind of how I think about them. They're very conservative, value-focused buyers. Um, Brookfield Infrastructure, just they just bought a bunch of, um, of um, data centers out of the Sixtera bankruptcy. They acquired some assets there. They're really good at that kind of thing. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with the thesis of the short. Um, and then you mentioned Howard Marks here, John. Um, so Howard Marks, the founder of Oak Tree Capital Management, which was acquired by Brookfield number of years ago. And of course, Oak, Oak Tree Specialty Lending is the portion that remains public. Um, I, don't, I don't own any of that particular vehicle, Oak Tree Specialty Lending, um, but I do know that like, there's a lot of... Oak Tree's really good at like being the, the lender of last resort, right? the payday lender to, to corporate, the, the corporate world out there. So they can get really, really favorable terms and high yields. Um, because there's a lot of hooks in their in their deals. People come to them with their hat in hand. They don't have many other choices. Um, TPI Composites, for example, went to Oak Tree because they were about to violate terms of their of their existing debt covenants, and they were going to have to file for bankruptcy if that happened. So um, they're positioned so that in the worst case scenario, they get a ton of the assets. And of course, then they have to liquidate it to to get um, to get you know, to cover their costs. But it's they're just really good at it. So I think it's probably safe. But again, I haven't cracked a filing on Oak Tree Specialty Lending in two years. So, you know, your mileage may, your mileage may vary. Keep that in, keep that in mind. Uh, we got some questions here about Celsius, comments about Celsius. Uh, Horseman says, I hate that Celsius is succeeding. What makes this company special? As far as I can tell, nothing. Um, and also, I want to applaud you for doing this while you're supposed to be working. Well done. Um, I actually think that this is a good question. I think about this a lot. I, my, my initial reaction to Celsius when I first, when it first came on my radar was sort of the same thing. Like energy drinks are a fad. Someone's going to find something else. But then I thought more about it. I mean, I think you could have made the same argument about monster beverage, right? And that was like, what, the best performing stock of the past 30 years. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with Celsius, but there's an anecdotal piece that has got me a little bit more interested. And that is, I work in a school district. I spend a lot of time noticing what teenagers do. I have one in my house. And while my own kid doesn't drink this, I see a lot of younger people, uh, college age and high school age, drinking Celsius drinks. So I know that that's not, that's not the reason to buy an investment, but 
I just feel like there's a chance this could be a thing. It's been a thing. I think the stock's up several hundred percent since it's item. Uh, no, uh, oh, Celsius. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. you could be right, Fourth Horseman. It could not be special, but I, I'm interested at least right now, just not at today's price. And Jen, I have no idea why they're doing a stock split either. I think the stock's only like a couple hundred dollars per share right now. Um, yeah, 174. So no idea. Uh, maybe they do need it for stock-based compensation. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, just to put some numbers on it, just because I think it's always fun to think about these. Um, Monster went public in 1990. Was, I think it was Hanson Natural, I think was the name. Yeah, most um, of its gains have been in the past couple years, right? Or past five five to seven years, something like that? I mean, yeah, since 2000. So oh, okay, I thought so it was the, way, way more recent. There was a huge run up. I'm not looking yeah, at Yeah, I mean, chart. it's up 489% over the past 11 years, um, over the past decade. And since, um, let's look at 2000. It's up 124,000%. Yeah, so that's turning $1 into $120,000. Is that right? $12,000? You can do the math. And $1 into $12,000? I don't know. It's a lot. Since since its IPO, it's up like 251,000%. I mean, that's, you know, just, I mean, what's the S&P 500 up since then? Not that much. 2,300%. So it's, so it's 10, it's 10 X, it's 10 X the returns. Yeah. There, I've heard people make various bull cases for it. To me, the big reason I'm interested is. is no, the I lied. It's a hundred X. Yeah. The S&P's returns. I just think the Pepsi deal is huge. You know, if they, if they've been able to be that successful without the reach of a major distributor like that, I just kind of feel like maybe that's the tip of the iceberg, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I mean, then the, 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 the Coke to your, to your Pepsi here is that monster, it was 2015. I think that monster signed the distribution deal with, with Coke. Is that right? Is that right? I think they are distributed by Coke. It's longer than that. I don't remember when. No, Coke distributes monster. They have, but it's long, it's been longer than that. It's been probably 20 years. So. What do you say we move on to our next, uh, our next thing here, which is just to talk about, it is, we are in the middle of earnings season. Uh, if you are a nerd like us who likes to follow this stuff, it's kind of like drinking from the fire hose for these couple weeks. I feel like you're skipping something I wanted to do first. What do you, what do you want to do? Because, because remember we talked about expensive stocks, but let's talk about oh. troubled stocks. Okay. You go first. Cause I didn't give it any thought yet. Oh, yeah, I know. You don't think. You just wait till my mouth stops moving so you can start moving your Are mouth. you still talking? Yeah, I am. I am. Right. I am still talking. I'm going to go to sleep. Let me know when you're done. I'm going to go with TPI Composites here. So this is one that I own some of. Um, and for a while, it was a big winner. And then they really screwed up. They got way out over their skis on their debt. The cycle turned. TPI Composites, their main business is making uh, blades for uh, wind turbines. They're a contract manufacturer. So like they'll have one facility and they make blades for five different companies. So it makes it economic for the whole industry to use them. Um, so anyway, they got in a big mess and they had to go to Oak Tree to, to, to take on some debt. And this was back in late 2020, I think this happened. And their interest rate on their debt was something like 12% back when the overnight rate was zero basis points. You know, they got this, this was their, their rate. They literally almost went bankrupt. Like they got in a huge mess. And since then, it's just been one thing after another. And the stock fell a ton back then. It fell like by half. And now it's $2 a share. And they're fighting for their lives at this point just to preserve cash. And there's like some good things. It's like they're going to end the year with maybe more cash than they started. They're making some progress. But they have like half their cash is going to have to go to pay debt sometime early next year. But the thing that always brings it back to me is like the use case for the business and the thesis is so, so valid because there needs to be companies that it does what they do. It makes the whole wind turbine industry work. I mean, it just, it really makes it work. And um, there, there isn't anybody else that's really doing what they're doing. Um, and they have absolutely destroyed this wonderful opportunity for, for investors by mismanaging this great, great asset. So what do I want to talk about? You know, one that I used to really like a lot and I've really soured on is C-Limited. You know, when I, when I first got into investing and buying stocks, I remember I, I picked up Mercado Libre and C Limited both at the same time thinking, and, and Amazon, I already had owned Amazon. And I remember thinking, okay, I sort of have the, the e-commerce leaders in these different parts of the world kind of, and, and fintech leaders in different parts of the world in my portfolio. And as time has gone on, I've just been more and more disappointed with C Limited. They seem like they've really fallen to a 
a far, a distant third out of that three that I bought. I just, I don't have any interest in it anymore. I, 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 I don't have the, in front of me, I'm going to pull up my spreadsheet, but I feel like a lot of the growth has slowed, even as I've figured out their profitability issues. Um, it's just, yeah. So here's, yes, here's, here's the issue. Uh, revenue growth was 5% in the most recent quarter. Before that, it was four, seven, 17, 29. So it's just decelerated every single quarter. Um, you know, it used to be a hyper growth, 100 plus percent every quarter for a long time while it was growing. And it's really trailed off. So that's one that I have in my portfolio. I, I, I've not sold it yet. I'm, it's this very, very small amount. I kind of feel like it's worth just leaving to see if over the very long term they can get their act together. But kind of like you with TPI composites, I know you used to speak very highly of that and now you have some concerns. I have sort of the same kind of feeling about C-Limited. Yeah, oh, that's good. So before we jump into the end in the news, because I think this question ties into it, Maria had a question and Eric is giving it a plus one. Have you, first of all, Maria, I think, I think as far as I know, Rotterdam may be the farthest. Yes, you win. <laughs> think so. Think so. Yeah. Furthest so. away listener or live uh, participant. Yeah. So you, you win the fake, not completely not real award this month for farthest listener. We'll call it the long distance award or something. Um, have you looked at, uh, Jeff, have you looked at PayPal's results? I did. Um, I know you and I talked about it. So here's my thing with PayPal. I, as I've said many times on this podcast, I like to keep a spreadsheet of all the different metrics and KPIs for each company. And I like to look at the earnings reports when they come out. I just can't ever fully wrap my head around PayPal. It's a complicated business, at least for my simple brain. And it makes me never really have a good sense of how it's going to do. So I know this isn't directly answering the question. You know, they, I, I can say a few things about it and then you can jump into here, Jason. I know that they're, they've sort of shifted their strategy over the last several quarters away from just acquiring users and more towards trying to really cater towards the high, uh, the high use users. Right. And I think there's been some positive results from that. Um, you know, like, so for example, like transaction revenue, just, I'm just pulling up some, some stats here. Like that's been in the mid to high single digits for the past several quarters. Total payment volume is ticking back up. Actually, um, it was 5% three quarters ago, and then it went up to 10%, 11%. Um, the payment transaction per active account is really steady. That's always around 11, 12, 13%. Um, I'm also happy to see they're, they're getting their expenses under control. So I, I like to track operating expenses as a percentage of revenue that's coming down. So some things are heading in the right direction. You know, payment transaction keeps going up. Total active accounts is flattish, but, um, and, and, but the, the one thing I am concerned about Jason, and maybe you know why this is happening, total payment volume is pretty consistently trailing off over the long term. Like since 2018, it's been sort of trending down and down into the right. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I've soured on the business. I, I you just, mean, it, it, uh, it's complicated to me. I have a hard time keeping track of everything. So you but everyone payment... I know uses Venmo. So yeah, so, <laughs> there's something payment, there. Payment volume growth is trending down. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Payment volume yeah. growth is trending down. Yeah. I, I think, so I'll say, I think that that particular thing is just a product of kind of the, like a version of the law of large numbers. I mean, we're talking about almost $400 billion in payment volume in the quarter. It's hard to grow a number that's that big at a persistently high rate. Right. I mean, that's. I think that's one of the challenges too, particularly when, I mean, the use cases are kind of growing a little bit, but they're still kind of edge casey, right? If you think about things like Venmo, we, we when you go in, most, most of the transactional things that people do are going on Visa and MasterCard rails, right? Um, not, not on PayPal's rails. And they're, they're trying to take more of that and they have a business that's credit card processing and all that kind of thing. But here's my concern. My, my bigger concern is that not only is that, is that number, we're seeing decelerization of growth, but I think the quality of the revenues maybe has suffered a little bit too, because things like Ven they're they're not generating the same amount of fees off the revenues that they're generating. So you know, total payment volume um, up what thirteen thirteen uh, percent on a neutral basis. Revenue was up nine percent on a neutral basis. So and then you talked about expenses. They're, they're working on it, but it's still you know operating income is up four percent. A non-adjusted basis, both of those on, on a gap basis. This is the kind of business at this scale you want to see the other way around. You want to see yeah. operating leverage. You want to know why Visa and MasterCard have been massive winners. They grow revenue 10%. They grow earnings 18%, right? Yeah. 
And PayPal is not doing that. It hasn't for a long time. And I want to see a little more sign that they're that that's starting to reverse. Because I think once that number reverses, that to me is when PayPal becomes investable again. Yeah. Right now, I, I think they have too many problems to be, for it to really be investable for me. I, I think I tend tend to agree. I mean, I, I agree. Here's where I would disagree a little bit. Like, I, I do think that if if you take a very large, like large view of it and say to yourself, digital payments are a thing. There are probably going to be more of them in the future than there are now. I think, again, just speaking anecdotally, everyone I know who, who sends money to their friends uses Venmo um, and maybe PayPal. Yeah. If, it, if I don't want to be an ageist, but it seems to be like older people like to use PayPal. Uh, PayPal's the worst. I know, but I think it's because it was the first one that there's some people who are just sort of, you know, they, they figured out how to like use the, PayPal. It's like the person you know that still has an at AOL.com email address. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm hating on anybody now. And I know, that's, I know that people use the Cash App and things like that, but I just feel like, hey, Venmo me for that is becoming the, the thing people say. Oh, it's the verb. It definitely. Yeah. So definitely. in that sense, and it's pretty, PayPal's been beaten down. It's pretty cheap. So I could see an argument for picking up shares now and just hoping they can kind of get things turned around. Um, I, I think it's worth remembering too that PayPal is one of those businesses that really got had a whole bunch of things happen to it at once, right? It had the pandemic happen, which just because it was a digital payments app, I think that shifted some of its you know numbers in, in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened in the absence of that. But it also was still at the same time dealing with the separation from eBay. So there was some funkiness with its numbers during that time. And I feel like we're now just kind of getting out of all of those, all that weirdness. Um, so I can see the argument for you know, buying it now and kind of hoping over the long term it gets his act together. But I, I just, there's not a lot going on that gives me like supreme confidence to add to my position. Hey, hey Jeff, I think Dan may have just snatched the, the, uh, the trophy out of Maria's hands or the virtual brewski that Ken had awarded her. Dan from New Zealand has a question that is going to tie into our next, our next segment. But before we get to that, ne that next segment, I just want to share this from our good friend, Sina Hasuna tweeting this out. Nothing goes better with a live session with a smattering show than a Campari soda. So well played, Cena. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, <laughs> Cena. So ready for, for our next, uh, yeah. Ready for our next segment, buddy. Dan is pivoting us directly into the next thing we actually had planned to do. I, I, but while we're getting the slide up, I do want to acknowledge Jen's, uh, harassing of me saying that Jeff didn't think shocked. We should have started a drinking game for this broadcast. So thank you, Jen. I appreciate that. Well done. Um, well done. Okay. Time for in the news. Time for in the news. So um, every one of these stocks, the thing they have in common is they've reported earnings this week. So this is a great, this is a great week for us, Jeff, to have kicked off, have kicked off this show because there's tons of, of news in the news. I'm going to mix this up though. I'm going to take Dan's first. Dan was asking thoughts on the lemonade quarter behind, beyond the stock reaction. So I'll take, I'll take that one. I'll weigh in. I'll weigh in on lemonade. So for those that haven't noticed, Lemonade stock is up, I don't know, 50% since earnings. It's you know, jumped 40 plus percent yesterday. And I think it was up eight or 9% again today. And I guess the one sentence answer to that question um, is Lemonade did okay, but it was much better than the very, very low expect expectations, comma, plus a short squeeze. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing is there's a lot that was sh a very high short interest and the company finally showed. And Jeff, how many times have you heard me say over the past year and a half, yep. if they can figure out the underwriting, this could be a monster. Yeah. I, right? my, my summary was similar to yours without the, the shorting part, but my, I was basically going to say everything was pretty good, but the thing that was very good was the thing that had to be very good, which is an improvement in their loss ratios. And it, it, they're still not where they need to be. No, it's but, still not good. It's just not but, bad. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to call out a couple of other things. So like I looked at, did I do a video? I feel like I did a video on our YouTube channel. I don't so, watch your, I don't watch your videos. So I, 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 I mean, I, I don't watch my videos either. I, I would never watch my videos. Watch my videos. Um, All the time. So, so growth is slowing a little bit. Um, customer acquisition is slowing a little bit. And the... Um, premium per customer growth is slowing a little bit too. Yep. Yep. But I think that's, 
kind of a cycle thing. I don't think that's going to be a permanent impact. I think those things could reaccelerate. But they did show, like this is a quarter where instead of a 90 plus percent gross loss ratio, it was in the low 80s, like 83, I believe, 83%. Yeah. And to your point, so this was this is why it was such a weird reaction. Like I would have expected a pop. Like I think there was enough good news in enough important areas to see some sort of appreciable stock jump. But this is what was weird. Customers were up 12%. The last several quarters, that was more like 20, 30%. Inforce premium was up 18%. The last several quarters, we're looking at 50, 60, 70, 80% year-over-year growth. Premium per customer grew 6%. The last several quarters, that was in the mid-money percent range. Um, so all of those metrics were okay. You know, Revenue dropped significantly on a year-over-year basis. It was, it was, it was great. It was 55%. But the last several quarters, it was three digit, you know, triple digit year over year growth. So like all that, you know, there's some stuff that slowed down and, and it could be, it could be uh, just a, like a seasonal cyclical, whatever thing and not a trend. And then, yeah, the, and then the loss ratios were 80, 83% for the gross loss ratio, 88% for net loss. The last couple quarters were nineties up high eighties a year ago. Yeah. The net loss was a hundred percent. Yeah. So and there was that, catastrophic loss that affected right, that right. part of it. But that's what I mean about like, yeah. There was a lot of good news and then yeah. good news in important areas, but some things to sort of scratch your head about and here the, the stock jumps almost 50%. I mean, here's the, re here's the reason. I mean, I mean, I think it's really, it's this, it's this, it's this significant. Okay. All right. A quarter of, of the stock flow was sold short. That's massive short. That's a lot of people expecting them to report another 90% gross, gross yeah. loss ratio quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably As a comparison, what... a company like Apple has less than 1%. So let's look at Meta, just to throw like a slightly controversial-ish, maybe the stock has run too much. It's still 1% you know, shares short. So yeah, this is a short squeeze. This really is. So in consequence, that means that there is a very good probability, if you look at the track record of this stock, that it could give back a lot of those, a lot of those gains. You know, that's, that could happen. Yeah. That could happen. And we'll talk a little bit more about Lemonade later on, because I think we're going to do a, a quick review of the Smatterfolio later on, and that's one of yep. the stocks in it. And you can kind of see just how volatile it has been over the course of the course of the year. Um, so we do have uh, we have a comment from John that we'll go back to, but I just want to point out that we have a, a visitor from Portugal, so another contender for furthest away in terms oh, no, of New listening. Z New Zealand's definitely it. If you go the other way around, maybe to Portugal, but, but um, yeah. All right, we got a bunch of stuff here in the chat, so I'm just going to go well, in let's order. Save, let's save it. Let's let's work through some more of our in the news. And you then... want to do that? All right. Yeah, yeah, I do. Let's let's save it. So, um, you want to talk about Roku because I know that's one that's a little bit kind of feels milk toasty to you. Um, so, well, the reaction felt. See, I actually yeah. was pretty happy with the quarter. So this is one that you and I disagree on. So it, it'll be fun to talk about. You you constantly. This is one tell, that I'm right about, and Jeff tell me doesn't. tell me yeah. to have fun being poor with this one. Um, and look, I am not a a uh, Roku Kool-Aid drinker. I'm I fully I'm fully aware that this could not work out. But um, I've always said when it comes to Roku that I really just want to keep seeing active accounts, streaming hours, and average revenue per user keep going up. And that's that's what's going to keep me holding. And if I see anything beyond that, if I see something else that's heading in the right direction, it might spur me on to buy some more shares because this is a hold for me right now. Um, and it was another quarter of active accounts going up about 15%, streaming hours going up around 20%, and average revenue per user actually down year over year, which has been the trend the last couple quarters. Um, but revenue ticked back up. Okay, so revenue, year over year revenue growth was 20%. It had been 11% uh, in the previous quarter. It had been 1% the quarter before that. And another kind of, I think there was a one-time thing that affected profitability in this quarter. I don't remember what it was. But like again, I nothing here that jumped out to me as being spectacular. <laughs> you know, like I would have thought this would have been like, okay, some things are heading in the right direction. And, you know, some things aren't like gross margin headed in the wrong direction. And this one also got a big pop. So um I think there was some I think one of the things that might have contributed to it, big huge turnaround in cash flow. Um, this company had been burning free cash flow for most of 2022 and then this quarter 160 millers in free cash flow the quarter before 129 so i think that probably contributed to some of the pop and there was some good guidance along with it that that was going to continue but 
again, a weird one for me. Like didn't feel like, I don't remember exactly how much it was up after earnings, but double digits and didn't feel like it was quite that strong of a quarter. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those reminders too. It's like one of the things that can move stocks is there's, there's the numbers and then there's the reaction to the numbers. And then there's the things like shorting, right? That can, I mean, can absolutely be a force multiplier to a stock's movement, movement in one direction or the other. So did this one yeah. have a lot of short? I didn't look. Does I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked. So, so my thesis on Roku is that it's a commodity and it doesn't have, the platform is not as sticky. Um, I mean, I think that there are people that absolutely love the product, um, but I think there, I don't think there are enough of them to, to create enough of a scale that it's, this is not an Apple in terms of yeah. like the brand power. I remembered so another, another thing that I think helped out the pop was there was language on the call about the advertising market being a little bit better than they anticipated yeah. and continuing yeah. to be better than they well, anticipated yeah. Yeah. for, for right. Q4. So I think that was, right. cause that their whole business is based on advertising. That's what's gonna. Well, you look at Meta's results and that's, you know, that's tells you everything you need to know about the ad market. And that's definitely great for, for Roku. So. Let me let me talk briefly about about STEM since I mentioned it and um, Trex and Kinsale and I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Um, again, they all reported earnings, and I'll talk about STEM first. So this is a company that I just I really admire what they're doing, and I think that what they're doing is important, and I think they have some competitive advantages that are really really could be really powerful. So STEM does two things. They first thing like the core of their business, and this is like the um, the the land the customer part of it is um, batteries, energy storage uh, for utility scale. So really large commercial um, storage. And then they sell, and they're, 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 pr they're pretty neutral about batteries. They don't rep for any certain brand or whatever. Just they, they make it the commodity and they get a little bit of margin on it. But their goal is to get the, get the deal and get the install and then, and then sell Athena, which is their, um, it's SaaS. It's um, AI powered uh, software to manage the power coming in and out of those batteries to get the e most economic benefit out of it. So if you're a commercial power user, like Alphabet, for example, and you're using batteries as part of your power management and carbon management and trying to get the best cost out of it, um, it can help you lower the total cost and make sure you're reducing your carbon emissions by leveraging the power in those batteries based on the source of the power versus how much it would cost for you to, versus the power you could pull off the grid. Um, if you're a grid operator or a utility, you can use it when you need peak demand, right? And you, so you don't have to fire up a natural gas peaker plant, which are super expensive to bring online and then to bring back down. So, um, and you, you could put the power off of a coal factory, a uh, coal power plant that's got excess capacity and it's super cheap right then to take that power to store. So um, Athena is the software and they do like these 20 year contracts for Athena. So it's this really great model where you can get like 80% gross margins, low operating costs. So that's like the STEM model. Um, they burned through a ton of cash before interest rates went up with some uh, other acquisitions and stuff that were smart, but the business wasn't like at scale where they were pumping out a ton of free cash flow that it made sense to do it. And then interest rates went up and it's like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Um, they've really locked down and they've really started to tighten up their, uh, tighten their belt go back to um, battery makers to, to try to rework deals to get better prices and costs because demand is like totally shrinking everywhere, um, except for in storage. Storage is actually still pretty strong, but demand is weak through like most of the renewable stuff. So they're kind of using that a little bit as leverage um, to, to shore up their balance sheet. And they're expecting to end the year with more cash than they started with. So I'm not adding to my STEM position right now because business still is a little bit weak. But if they can like prove that like they can kind of get out of their own way with like managing capital and allocating it well through the cycle and kind of being aware of interest rates, this could be a, a monster business. It really, really could. Um, but there's some questions. There's some questions there. Trex befuddles me, Jeff, because I mean their guidance is for like a terrible next quarter versus last year. Um, demand continues to be really weak. There's their their distributors. And retailers are really trying to deplete inventory and not buying more inventory. Um, but it's so well run. They're still making money, right? Their, their margins actually got a little bit better. Um, it's it's going to be a long-term winner. So that's that's Trex. That's STEM. We talked about Lemonade. We talked about Roku. And we so talked about Kinsale. I want to ask about Trex because I'm trying yeah. to look it up right now. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Last time I looked at it, I was surprised. Well, it, it's been doing well this year, which is weird considering everything you just said. 
Like I kind of wish the bad news would chop it in half so I could buy some. I'm, I'm just... trying to figure out the stock. The stock went up. They reported yesterday after the market. I believe it was yesterday after the market. Stock went up a little bit. Not much. It's up 15. No, it, went, it did. It did. It's up 15% this week. So yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but it's because they're making money. You had yeah. a question. Go ahead. I'm cutting you off. No, that was the question. I was, I was, I was going to say, it wasn't really a question. It was a comment. Just basically, I wish, I wish the year's worth of troubling results resulted in it getting cut in half so I could buy some shares. That's what I was just trying to say. Yeah. I mean, this, it is, the stock is down. Here's the thing from the, from the mania peak, because this is a stock that got caught up in like the 2020, 2021 mania, because everybody was going to buy a house and everybody was going to use cheap money to build a $25,000 nice Trex deck. Stock's still down 55% from that peak. Yeah. So, all right. You want to hit some, hit some questions now that we're done with those, those things. So uh, I do. do. And then, yeah, let's take five minutes and do that. And then we can do the smatter folio to wrap up the day. So there was another comment here by fourth horseman about lemonade. They seem to do fine with the loss ratio. As long as you know, there aren't any catastrophes, bad weather or anything, certainly not adding to my position until they do a full good year. I think that's a legit, that's a legit concern. Could any insurance company, this is one of the things that kind of bugs me or bugged me about Lemonade. Like they, and every company does this, they, they, they well, those quarters where they had the catastrophic loss, they tried to spin, spin it like, yeah, but if we hadn't had those catastrophic losses, look how good yeah. it would have been. And you can't do look that. How good our numbers would be without stock-based compensation. Look how right. good our Florida business would be without hurricanes. Right. But I will yeah, say this, yeah. you know, there are some things that are potentially going to help with that over time, right? So the, the Metro Mile acquisition and, and expanding car insurance into because Metro Mile, if I believe with a bit one of the big things when they acquired it was that they had they had they were in all 50 states. Right. So yeah, it gets them into basically all the states. Yeah. So, you know, theoretically you bring on more car insurance policies that spread your risk out, that spread your type of insurance that you're issuing out. And, you know, so I think they're they're trying they they recognize that they're heavily in areas with probably more catastrophic loss than others. And they're trying to rectify that, but I, I don't disagree with the idea of, well, well, let's wait and see if they can actually do what they say they need to do. I agree. Duar- Duarte describes it, says it's a zero or a 50X from here. I, I mean, I think that's kind of fair. I think it's it's the odds are probably more towards the 50X or some positive multiple from this because it's small. It's like a billion dollar business right now, market cap, I think. It's around a billion dollars, maybe 1.1, 1.2 after the big run up. Um, and the insurance market's huge, right? It's absolutely enormous, trillions of dollars. So. And I think, I think the story of the company is worth at least considering, you know, like the whole idea, if they really can change people's relationship with insurance, if, you know, and I think that starts with pulling in maybe some younger users that are a little bit more like, I want to be able to go on my phone and get a policy in three minutes on an app from AI. Um, if they can kind of build a generation of insurance customers that don't view their insurance company as this behemoth thing that they hate. Yeah. That, their net that, promoter scores are very, very high. Right. That could matter. Yeah. I mean, so like, that's why we, we, we've been saying every time we've talked about it and made videos about it and mentioned it on the podcast, it's always been, everything is going really well, except the, the most important thing. So, you know, that, that, I think that, that kind of sums it up. Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to look. Uh, Cena's asking about Redfin's earnings. Haven't yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look super closely. Um, I'm going to pull up so I can just at least get a glance at it. Yeah. Pl- while, while you're while you're pulling, while you're pull- we've, got, we've got just a ton of good comments in here. Uh, people about about Roku. Fourth Horseman says, um, I think there are a lot of companies. I don't understand why people buy their product. Roku, Roku being one of them. Um, it was good in Mexico when it was pirated. With all the movies and series for free, but the FBI finally shut that down a few years back. Yeah. So when your thesis is tied to pirating copyrighted um, uh, data or properties, it's yeah, not a great thesis. I don't know. Like I buy the, I like, so maybe I'm biased because we have Roku's in my house. I have, I have a Roku, I have one TV that's like Roku built in. And then we have the little box for the other one. And I've used Apple TV. I've used uh, what's Amazon's, the fire, fire, the fire stick, stick fuck, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I like firebox. <laughs> they have that one. That's like a cube. I forget what it's yeah. called. Fire. Do you mean this, the, the, the cube, the is it called the cube? fire cube, the fire whatever. cube, whatever. And anyway, <laughs> I've used all of them. I actually put a call out to anybody out there. If you're thinking about maybe going through this and maybe keeping the best quotes. Yeah. Firebox. Say, you can tweet those out. Anyway, my point is that I actually think the Roku platform is 
pretty good and it works pretty well and my kids like it and I like it. So I think in a world where we're all streaming television, which I think is where this is going, I think we're going to see less and less people using over the top cable and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, I, I just bought a new TV recently because mine died and it has its own operating system. I think it's a Samsung. It's hot trash. Like I oh, hate yeah, it. So I, I feel like at some point it's going to consolidate into like people who use Roku or people who use Apple TV or people who use like the Amazon product. Right. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a, there's going to be like three or four big ones that everyone uses. I agree. Yeah. And if they're one of those three, I don't need, I don't think they need to be like the market share leader even necessarily. They're they have the ability to monetize the Roku platform a lot of different ways. And if they can, if they can, the advertising market can, can stay strong and they can actually find ways to monetize through ads using the platform because you don't see Apple doing it the same way. And by the way, they're a competitor in a lot of ways too, to some companies that would want to advertise. So there's some of that neutrality thing that's going on with Roku. So I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know that it's, again, I'm not a super bull for it. I, I fully understand that it could not work out, but I, I just, I'm, I'm at the point. What's uh, what was Tyler's crow's expression? I have enough conviction not to sell. Um, yeah, that's kind of yeah, how right. I feel about Roku and, right. uh, we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah. We've, we've got a, we've got a couple of people talking about, um, Mercado Libre having become yeah. like sizable, like Scott and Duarte both mentioned, like becoming a really large portion of their portfolio. I'm, I'm in a similar boat. It's around 7% of my portfolio now, which is significant for, for me by far the largest portion of my portfolio. I kind of agree with the idea of thinking about the long, the long runway of growth. Um, who was it that mentioned um, Fourth Horseman says wish they had more money to buy it. I think it was Scott that said concerned about political risk. So, and that's a reality in in, yep. in Latin America. Yep. You know, I think that's that's a concern. Uh, maybe not political risk specifically, but like geo geo risk, economic risk, maybe. There's well, just... one thing one thing I'll say about Mercado Libre that, and it's tied into a podcast that's not too far back in our catalog is they've mm -hmm. made without looking at the numbers right now. I believe the last couple quarters, they've been making some pretty good strides in Mexico. Yeah. And when, when we had Bill Mann on uh, a couple episodes ago, we one of the questions we asked him at the end was basically, what's some, what's, I think it was something along the lines of like, what's the, the part of the world people will be talking about in 10 or 15 years? And we were thinking he would say like India or something, right? As, or maybe Africa is like the next emerging market to sort of be prominent like China has become. Right. And, and he Mexico. said, and he said Mexico. So I agree with the geopolitical risk concern with Mercado Libre. There's also a little bit of a, when is the other shoe going to drop thing with them? Cause it's like every quarter just yeah. kicks ass. And I'm like, numbers oh, and, and I'm always like, what am I missing? Is there a fraud? I'm scared that there's a fraud. Cause it's just too good. If so I was, I, I will say this, if I was, if I was 60 and it was 20% of my portfolio or 20% of my worth wealth, I would, I would sell yeah. because you're getting close enough to your, like that portfolio. That's your, that's your money. Right, that's your actual money that you're going to need soon. Then you start thinking about it being a GE in 2000, right? Or one of those scenarios where you just what happens over the next 20 years destroys a massive amount of wealth, and then you're protecting capital. You're not so much focused on growth. For me, the, in my mid 40s, I'm thinking I can invest in other things, and that's how I'm going to diversify away from it. I don't need to sell any of this great company to diversify my exposure, right? I'm going to have other winners that are going to help do that for me. So yeah. Well, look, dude, it's 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 um almost five minutes um till. So if we're going to talk about this matterfolio, we got to do it now. Let's do it. Let's we'll put we the slide up. I, I put a screenshot in the slide. We won't spend too much time on this because we don't have too much time. But it's also apologize to the questions that we didn't get to. We had I think we got to, to most. There we have we some did, comments we did, here. We did, you know, more comments chiming in than we did questions here at the end. I thought there was a good point here from Fourth Horseman about uh, unbanked people in in Latin America and, and how that could be a tailwind for Mercado Pago. That that's a really good. Oh, it is all, it already that's a good is point. an enormous one. It's an enormous one. Well, Marco, uh, Marco Galperon talked about it on during the pandemic. He went on a podcast with, I don't know, the CEO of maybe PayPal, maybe PayPal. Um, and he talked about like his goal, their goal is to be the payments platform for Latin America. That, yeah. that says it all right there. Okay. Let's talk about this matterfolio. Off to right. Jeff. I want to, well, all right. I was going to ask you to start because I wanted to pull up a chart to show later, but um, okay. All right. I'll, I will do it then. So we're looking at the October results, right? So we are, we are the first, first month of the first quarter team audience, 13% up that's in the month or is that the year to date? That's year to date. So we've never kept track of just the month. 
because that That's seems to be so too short. Since year to date, correct. And then we've got Team Jeff. Well, you're skipping yourself. Oh, you want to save yourself for last? Ten percent. Um, team Smattering is really just taking taking a beating, down twelve percent. That's the worst performing one. And then the unportfolio. Thank you, Jeff. But look at, look at me helping out a little bit with Tesla. Sort of. <laughs> it has dropped sort of. 40%. But you're not helping out. You're just not hurting as much. Oh, And the, the cream rising to the top. All right. We're gonna, I'm bowl. just going to talk over it. Up 7%. That's me. Up 27%. Yes. All right. Here's, we, we only have a few minutes here. So here's a takeaway that I have about my own portfolio here. It, it is, these are only three stock portfolios, right? We're not advocating that anyone have just three stocks. But if you use it as sort of a, a example of what, could happen in a larger portfolio. I have a stock that is down 86% and I'm still up 10%. I am not far off yeah. the S&P 500's return for the year with one third of my portfolio being down 86%. So I, I just think that's a nice uh, example of the whole, a, a few stocks will, will um, you know, cover the losses of, of your big losers. So I just thought that was interesting. But you mentioned the, um, you mentioned the, our combined portfolio. Hold on right. a second. So I'm just I'm taking a look here just while you're while you're doing that. I'm like choking. The average. So the average. So this is the not including the unportfolio, but the average of the the stocks that we actively picked, they're up nine percent. Yeah. All of them. All of the 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 portfolios are up nine percent, and that includes one that's down eighty six, one that's down forty six, one that's down twenty four, one that's down twenty. And what's funny with this is. How many of these stocks are super volatile, like have had like crazy ups and downs? Like uh, I'm trying to remember which one we, we pointed out another time. All right. So like look at Lemonade, right? There was a, at the end of April, it was down 21% for the year. And then at the end of July, it was up 65% for the year. And now it's down 20, because this is obviously before the big pop before after earnings. earnings. Right. So you put, you put the earnings pop in and it's probably back to, back to break even again. But then like the one that's like the, the, actually the one that's been the most steady in one direction, not steady like saying the same is Boston Omaha. That was the chart I was trying to pull up because it's been like, like a, a non-volatile roll down the hill. Yeah. Stop sharing. I'll put it up real quick. It's, but. it's like, it's like your, it's like your teenage kid who just keeps coming back every month asking for, can I have some more money? Right. Like it's just, there's been no, money? nothing positive here. It's just been down. This is one that I, I've really been thinking about. I don't think about backing up the truck and buying a lot of a stock often, but that's one that I'm very tempted on. Yeah. Because I just, I, you looked it up the other day. What It's trading at a discount to its book it's, value now, it's, right? It's trading for right now. And again, this is, please look it up, but I believe it's trading for around two thirds of book value, 70% of book value. Right. And this, the, it has an impeccable balance sheet, doesn't have a ton of debt, has plenty of cash and it generates positive cash and it's trading for substantially less than book value. So yeah, I think that's really good. So we had a lot more people show up than I thought would show up, Jeff. This has been... An absolute blast as we as we wrap things up. Yeah, this has been great. So I want to thank everyone who. So right, we I've been checking throughout the time. We've had about ten or eleven people pretty consistently through the hours. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for the comments. A lot of a lot of back and forth. Yeah, we recently figured out how to play sounds live, so we can end the show with our theme music. As always, no advice happening here. We love to answer, give our answers to these questions, share them with you folks. But it is up to each and every one of you to answer your own questions out there. You can do it. Jeff and I both believe in you. Jeff, I will see you next time. All right. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.